When my firstborn was about four years old, we lived down the street from another firstborn who was also four years old. And so we have these two little boys, and, and both of these little boys owned a, a, what's called a big wheel. Now, a big wheel is a tricycle, but it's not just any tricycle. Uh, a big wheel looks like a lowrider motorcycle. I mean, what you have is you have this huge wheel on the front, and that's how it got the name Big Wheel, and then the weight, the seat sits way down low and sits right over the rear wheels, so you get unbelievable traction. So when a little kid there and starts pedaling, I mean, that Big Wheel, you know, really takes up a lot of distance, and, and man, those things can really, really move. And both those little boys, they love, they both love to go fast. And, and so, you know, here's my son, and here's the other little firstborn down the street. And one particular summer, they got into a habit of going down to the friend's house to play, and then they would come back to our house for refreshments. They would ride back to our house for refreshments. Now, I know this is going to seem hard to, to believe, but you get two little boys on big wheels that love to go fast, and the ride back to the other house quickly becomes a race. You know, I mean, it, all of a sudden it became the competition, and the competition was me first. That's kind of what it boiled down to. You know, I'm going to be the fastest, and it's going to be me first. And I'll tell you, when you start to kind of get that attitude about me first, what happens is that, that they learn the finer points of racing. Because here's the finer points of racing. You take the big wheel, other guy's big wheel, you turn it around backwards. So when they come out of the house to go get the refreshments, well, you know, they have to turn it on. And all of a sudden, you got a head start. And as you're driving down, as you're riding down the sidewalk, you learn how to run the other guy off the road. You know, you learn that at four years old. It's hard to believe. You know, but there he is. They're running each other off the road. Then they get to the house, and they're pushing each other off the back patio so the other can get in the door first and they run to the refrigerator they're going to grab the popsicle they know the other one wants just because it's me first and that's the way a little boy at least my little boy was built you know uh, and, and then they're going to go out into the patio and they want to get out the patio they want to get the shaded place so the other guy has to eat his popsicle in the sunshine and watch it melt and, and so you know it was just me first and after i experienced that as a parent about once or twice what I wanted to do is rip my hair out. I want to tell you, it's like, can't you, you know, can't you guys just get along? I mean, you know, just as he says in the scripture this morning, just make my day. You know, he says, complete my joy as I'm going to make my day. Just try to make me happy. And, and I looked at him and again, I said, can't you guys just get along? That's the basic question of compatibility. Why can't we just get along? Compatibility is defined as the ability to exist with others, to coexist, and even congenially coexist. And what compatibility realizes is that we are responsible for the relationships of our lives. And as we're responsible for the relationships in our lives, what compatibility begins to ask is that, you know, since I'm responsible for the relationships in which I live, how can I improve those relationships? What can I do to make those relationships better? Because I can make that choice. And because you can make that choice. And the question comes up, you know, I mean, the whole issue starts out when you're 
when we're four years old riding the big wheels, but you and I know it's a, it's a question that kind of follows us throughout our lives. You know, with our siblings, with our spouses, with our friends, with our families, in business, even among communities, among races, among nations. How can we better get along? How can we improve the relationships that we share? And what you look at in the scripture this morning is we find Paul, I think, wrestling with this very issue. And I think we find him in a hair-pulling-out moment. Because when you read the words, complete my joy in the scripture, I don't think he's saying, well, just complete my joy. I think he's writing to the Philippians, that, would you just complete my joy? I mean, I can just see him kind of pulling his hair out. And the reason I think that he's doing that is because when you look at verse 3, you look at the verse that follows that statement, complete my joy... He raises up what the issues are that that church is experiencing with the people, what's happening in the relationships within the context of that church. And the two words that he uses are conceit and ambition. Conceit and selfish ambition. Now what conceit is, conceit is when somebody says to you, hey, you are so wonderful. And when your response back to them is, well, I already knew that. You know, I, you know, that's kind of tip-off, you know. That's, uh, or if, if the country song, you know, if, there's, uh, if your theme song is the country song, you know, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. You know, y'all can sing. No, no, I'm glad you didn't sing that this morning. But, you know, I, you know when that, that's tip-off, you know. But really hap- what happens with conceit, it's kind of a notch of beyond confidence. It's in that place where what begins to happen is we think of ourselves as, you know, I'm smarter than that person, I'm better looking than that person, I'm more accomplished than that person, you know, I've got more than that person. Anyway, anytime you start comparing yourself and you start notching it up, you know, what we're doing is moving toward conceit, but what conceit really does is because, you know, people are better in different categories, and that is fact. And that's the truth. But where it becomes conceit is when you, when you start thinking, well, this is how it is, and so I am a better human being. You know, and all of a sudden, all those things better, all of a sudden, this make us better. When it kind of lapses over into this notion of superiority, that's conceit. And what ambition is, and it's important, I think, to note in the scripture this morning, it doesn't just talk about ambition, it talks about selfish ambition. Is when it's conceit begins to be acted out within the context of our relationships. When it becomes that we're always pushing ourselves forward. We're always, you know, putting ourselves ahead. We're always kind of not only comparing but saying, what can I do to be, you know, in front of the other guy? And the apostle says, when you begin to look at those two kind of realities, he says, what do those kind of realities do to a relationship? And I, I think that's the question he's asking. What do conceit and selfish ambition do in the relationships in our lives. And you and I have a pretty good idea of what they do. I think when we find those kind of realities in our lives, we find ourselves, we find that we live in a shark tank, or maybe we live in a snark tank. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know which, but what we find is that we live in a place where it's kind of eat or, or be eaten. And I know that that is 
some of the realities in which people find themselves in a pretty regular basis in, in parts of our lives, but the, the hope always is that there are other parts of our lives where what we can do is say, you know what, I know that's part of what goes on in one spot and where I live, but you know what, there are other places in my life where, where I can live in ways that, that I want to improve relationships in ways they have that richness that truly is rewarding in ways that I can begin to claim that, in ways that I know that I can make the relationships better, in ways that I know that I can complete my joy by completing your joy, that I can make my day by making your day, that I can choose compatibility. And so the apostle is calling followers of Christ into compatibility, and the way he does that is in three ways. And let me invite you to kind of embrace these ways as you think about compatibility for your life. And it's think holy, think harmony, think humbly. Think holy, think harmony, think humbly, think holy. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation in love, any sharing in the spirit, any sympathy or compassion. And what he does is he brings us back into the relationship that we share with Jesus Christ. He says, no, Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, had every right to walk into the room and say, hey, it's time to worship me. But you and I know that's not what Jesus did. You know, we're all really clear about that. What Jesus did, he walked in the room, got the towel, got the basin, knelt down and served. And he said, those who would follow me, they would do the same thing. And so what you begin to see is that what he invites us into is, is that place. He says, is there any encouragement in Christ? And the encouragement is to begin to think about what it means be in harmony in relationship with each other. And not only that, to think about his example, but more to think about the second you know, clause in there, what difference his love does make in our lives. Because I tell you, when you know that you've been loved by the Son of God, and we all have been loved by the Son of God, and that's what baptism celebrates, unconditionally, you know, unconditionally loved by the Son of God. And that love begins to make that difference me and in you and it is our strength that we can begin to live out of in the relationship of our lives and we need that foundation to begin to live into compatibility and so the apostle says you know think about the encouragement think about the love think about the foundation there think about the spirit that is shared is shared here in the church is shared in the other relationships in your life because the holy spirit god operates within the context the spirit operates in the context relationship between two people and think about the way it draws into compassion think holy think harmony he says have the same heart have the same mind be of one accord now as the apostle writes that he's not counseling uniformity he's not counseling groupthink he knows that everybody thinks differently he knows that as soon as you get two or more people together in one place, you have like two or more, you know, interests, priorities, perspectives, everything else. There's, there's so many differences. Sometimes there's so many similarities. And that's when, you know, being the same is having the same mind, the same heart. It, it gets pretty easy then, but the question becomes what happens with the differences. When we find ourselves in that place where there are differences all together, and he's saying be the same, I think what he's saying is, is in the midst of all the differences, make sure we have that same focus, goal, that we want to make these harmonize. 
that we want these to come together in ways that the differences will not polarize, in ways that the differences will not divide, in ways that differences will enrich, in ways that differences will expand. And so what I think he's inviting us to do is to put that as our goal, to think harmony. And then he invites us to think humbly. And so what starts with Christ and thinking holy, what is shared and thinking about harmony with one another, you know, ends up kind of focusing in on me and you when he says, think humbly. I'm thinking humbly. You know, he's lifted up conceit. It's kind of thinking, focusing in on ourselves. And then he says, you know, if we find any of that in the relationships of our lives, he says, what you do, and this is a direct quote, he says, count others better than yourself. That's a direct quote from the scripture. And if we find that selfish ambition is driving us in terms of how we're interacting with other people, the direct quote from the scripture this morning is this, count the interests of others better than, you know, put the interests of others better than or, or above your own. I know that that's the quotes from the scriptures. Because what he's inviting us to do is to embrace that understanding of, of being humble that I think is a really good understanding. It's not so much thinking less of yourself, because I don't think that's what humility is about. It's not about thinking less of yourself or me thinking less of myself. It's about me thinking less. Thinking of myself less. <laughs> there we go. I get that right. You know, not you thinking less of yourself. Just you and me thinking of ourselves less and thinking of others more. See, the scripture is beautiful in James. It says, humble yourself before the Lord. And you know what God does? God will lift you up. It says in James. And it says, he says, think holy. Think harmony, think humbly, and think what it would be like if, if not only you thought that way, think what it would be like if the people who you shared relationship with thought that way. Think of what it would be like in families. Think of what it would be like in church family. Think of what it would be like in community. Think of what it would be like among nations. The Apostle Paul is just laying out this vision. Is think of what that would be like. And know that as we begin to embrace that vision, you know where it all starts? In you thinking that way. And in me thinking that way. We're going to sing a song in a couple of moments. Let the peace begin on earth and let it begin with me. See, this thinking starts with me. This thinking starts with you. Claiming the compatibility that we have together in Christ begins in your heart. And in my heart. Your mind. And in my mind. I want to close with this illustration. It was a, a cute movie. came out in 2014. Perhaps you saw it. It's called The 100-Foot Journey. And The 100-Foot Journey is about a, a, an Indian family that immigrates from India, moves into the countryside of France. So you kind of got to picture the vineyards of the countryside of France and the, the beautiful um, um, Manses, you know, in, in the French countryside, and, and 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 you know what you see in the movie is the Indian family moves, and they move right across the street from a French restaurant. Yeah, that's that's in this beautiful uh, home, and and uh, it's a five-star restaurant, you know. It's, and so uh, immediately, what happens is there's competition, you know, because you got one group on one side, one group on the other side. They're only a hundred feet apart, and they're, they're going to kind of go after it. And so the movie, as the movie unfolds, though, it's not a movie about competition as much as it's about the way that they move from competition 
compatibility. It's a way that what happens in that movement is they overcome divisions of culture, they overcome divisions of ethnicity, they overcome divisions of pride. That they, that what they do is they make choices, and as they make choices, what it does is they go on a journey. And the journey, you know, even though they just live across the street from each other, a hundred foot from each other, it's a two-hour long journey, <laughs> or even longer than that. You know, the point is that they make the journey. And friends, I want to invite you. I know sometimes compatibility is a hundred-foot journey. Sometimes it's just hard to believe that we can be so close and yet so far. But yet, the apostle says, there is an encouragement in Christ. There is a consolation in love. There is a sharing in the spirit. There is a compassion. And he says, as we walk that journey, what it will do is it will complete your joy. It will complete the joy of someone else. And I believe it will complete the joy of God. May God bless this word are living into it in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift of others, for the ways that we can live into the relationships in our lives, asking the question, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to improve this relationship? Think about you, the encouragement in you, the strength we find in you, because the strength that calls for more strength than we have in ourselves for the ways that you lead us from your holiness into a harmony and into a humbleness that is of you and of our gift that we can give to others. So, Lord, lead us and guide us in ways that we might always grow in your grace, that we might shine with your love, that we might show forth what it means to follow Christ, that it all be to your glory, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.